This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. Here on Reality Check Radio, it's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Remember, you can send me a text, 2057. You can email me, inbox at realitycheck.radio. Oh my goodness, I think we've had Ali Cook on more than any single living human being. Other than, I guess, our regular one, Wally Richards, our gardening professor. But Ali, it's good to talk to you this morning. Yeah, it's always great to be on with you, Rodney, and talk to the like-minded, as it were. Oh, so like-minded. But we have such a lot to cover, because you have been a busy, busy lady, and I'm so proud of you, and I feel proud to know you. Much respect to you, because you. Um, you stand up, and you're very brave, and you lead. And I, I, I respect that enormously, Ali. But first up, before we get too far, How's your son doing? Your son is vex injured. He had myocarditis after the jab. He was a truck driver, I believe. I think he's 26 years old. Yeah, well, 27 now. Another year goes past. Um, 27. How is he has... doing with his injury? He's still on medication to keep it at bay, but it's still there. It's not It's not gone away. It, 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 it comes back, as he referred to it last night. I spoke to him last night, and um, he said it comes back to haunt me. Uh, every few weeks he gets more pains and it comes back and he takes more anti-inflammatories. It's just an ongoing battle, really, and we still haven't seen a cardiologist um, and still no ACC. And, you know, it's just... The system's broken, Rodney, really. The system is broken already for everybody, and then it's even more broken when, you, when you've got vaccine injury because it doesn't want to recognise you. It's terrible. Um He's able to work somewhat. Yeah, he works. He works because he's on medication that keeps the inflammation down. And yes. So what a, you terrible, know, um, what, a, what a terrible, shocking thing to have happen. And what a terrible and shocking thing that you are, what's that word? You're sort of not noticed. You're blanked. You are a non-person and your injuries aren't real. They're, they're, yeah. You're sort of ghosted, aren't you? And and the yeah, family's gaslit, ghosted. Silence, gaslit, put behind, like they just, and then people don't know how to handle it. You know, people don't know how to deal with it because they've been trained in their head and the propaganda to not believe that vaccine injury exists. And, well, you and I know, but when, when you're suffering it or a member of your family's suffering it, it's very, very real. Um, and, you know, you feel, it leaves you feeling quite sort of, desperate really because she just everywhere you turn there's just no help and as long as we don't recognize the vaccine injury um we're never going to see research into into treating people like my son but it's not going away oh i've been going to campaign meetings along the way with sue and i've met so many people that have got young people the same age as my son that have got the same thing so it's like now, it's not we'll it's get not on. Un uncommon Anymore. I just want to run through a few things. You're a musician. Yeah. You're a publicist. You yeah. have had that wonderful parliamentary petition, which I adore, and we want to hear about where that is. You have been promoting the movie, which yes. we need to hear about. You have released a new song, which I want to hear about. 
and you are standing for our parliament, which yes. I want to hear about. Yes. But a little bit of excitement last night for you because you went along to a campaign meeting yes. on the West well, I'm Coast. Campaign, I'm campaign manager for Sue Gray um, nice. for uh, Outdoors and Freedom Party, so I'm looking after down here. And um, so we've been going off to campaign meetings, but of course I've been sort of gone between that and the movie and the music. And so I hadn't been at a campaign meeting where Damien O'Connor was present until last night. Now, but he's been, your local MP, right? He is, and I've known him for many, many years. So pre all of this, like I was bleating at him years ago about New Zealand on air. That's another another whole story about them giving money to multinational record companies for the last, you know, 15, 20 years. And, um, and I had local issues, and I'd catch up with him, and he put some money into my albums when I was crowdfunding, and we got along pretty good, you know. Mm. Um, well, then, he's been an MP for the West yeah. Coast forever, right? Yeah, yeah, he has been. And and I have backed him as an MP for, for Tasman West Coast. So, you know, but then... I'm guessing, I'm guessing he's been an MP since 1993. That's 30 years. Yeah, it, it would be. He's been, he's been an MP Because there was Margaret time. Moyer on the West Coast for National, and she yeah. was lovely. She was one term. Kerry Burke before her and then Margaret Moyer, and then I think Damien. But I think he lost it a couple of times but got in on the list. Yeah, he lost it. He lost it once um, to the national MP, and I've forgotten. Maureen Pugh? Arkenberg. No, no, it was like a a German name, but I can't remember it now. What is it? Arkenbowl, Arkenbowl. Oh, Chris Arkenbowl. Arkenbowl. Oh, my goodness. I loved Chris Arkenbowl. He was an MP. Yeah. When I was an MP, and he was such a gentleman. Yeah. I so enjoyed. But I have to say, I've always had a lot of time for Damien O'Connor because um, Helen Clark despised him because he was too heterosexual and too white and too yeah, conservative. Yeah, the gaggle of gays. I yes, that. <laughs> that's right. He called I, them a gaggle I, of gays. gaggle of gays, yeah. So um, he was a good West Coaster. But tell me about – so you, it's not like he doesn't know you. Tell me what happened last oh. night. Well, Sue was um, – first of all, Sue brought up that Nanaya Mahuta was overseas signing up documents during a caretaker government, that it was un, you know, undemocratic for her to be doing such right. things while we are in a caretaker government, which he, said was, which he said was rubbish. Um, and then she read from a ombudsman letter that a, lo- a lot of them have been trying to get hold of the Pfizer contract. And this was a letter that came back. And I mean, the thing is, like, we don't have the New Zealand Pfizer contract, but hey, we've got the South African one. I think we've got the Brazilian one as well. And they've all got this this um, clause 5.5 that basically the, the government has to indemnify Pfizer and Pfizer admits in 5.5 of its contract that um, it, it knows that people are going to be hurt and that there's no long-term data and that it's totally, you know, they, they basically admit everything we've said about it. So anyway, Yes, I've seen that. I've seen that online and that's official. Yeah. And it's that they don't know about long-term effects. No. And, and so, all the stuff yeah. about it being safe and effective, the Pfizer contract says Pfizer doesn't know whether it's safe and safe. 
So anyway, they wouldn't, the New Zealand guys, they won't release the contract, even though we've seen contracts from other countries. But Grant Robertson was forced by the uh, ombudsman to be in the interest of what was it, in the interest of transparency to release some statements. And Sue read that statement um, and basically reflected 5.5 of the contract. And I was filming and I felt the tears come up because I just was looking at Damien and I was thinking, you know, you've known me all those years. You know my son's vaccine injured. You didn't even respond to me when I asked you to present my petition. You know, I was just it was just welling up and then he laughed. He actually laughed at what Sue read out. And I just went, Don't you laugh, Damien? And I just I just burst into tears. I just lost the plot and I just said, I'm sorry, so I can't stay in the same room. And I just, I walked out and I probably howled for about five minutes. <laughs> Quite a few. Oh, I, I got lots I've, of man hugs. Lots of guys came I out. Feel like howling, so, I, I feel like howling um, just listening to that account. And I just, I really just howled and I just said, you know, I just can't believe that somebody that I called a friend once would actually laugh, laugh at knowing people are injured and killed. Like, I'm just like. What do you think that was? Was it a nervous laugh? I don't know. I zoomed right in on him. I've put it up on video now because I had the video running. Of course, you can't see me. You can only hear me once I walk out. But I didn't realise I had the selfie stick in my hand and I was throwing my toys out of the cot. And I walked out with the I walked out with a selfie stick on my hand. But I did catch I did catch the change in his expression with me saying, "Don't you laugh, Damien?" He just went from smiling to like oh. To an old old god look on his face, you know, like oh, he knew what was coming. Um, I just, yeah, I just sort of let him have it from the back of the room and just ran out of the room crying. I mean, I just the mother came out of me, and I guess I've tired from the campaigning and everything else because I've travelled a lot. And I just because normally, you know me, I'm like a pit bull and gnarly as I. He he knows your son is injured. He may not accept it was the vaccine, but he knows he's injured. He knows that you think it's the vaccine. Well, it's five hours after the shot in an ambulance, so it's pretty obvious, and he's diagnosed yes. by his doctor as vaccine injured. So it's you know, there's no question that that's what's done it to him. Um, not I just can't in the eyes of the doctor. Uh, I, I just can't. Like I know Damien. I you know, probably not as well as you, but you know, he's a pleasant guy. He doesn't. He he doesn't give offence but I just can't I can't understand any of these MPs including my old party the ACT Party I struggle to understand their behaviour well it's yeah I mean really it's just ultimate denial I guess if they admit that we exist then they admit their culpability to the responsibility that our family members are dead and injured. If they admit that we exist, it puts them in a legal firing line, I guess. You know? Um, the, um, what do you think? Too big what is worse? Face. This is a tough question, but what is worse for you and your family? The injury or the denial of the injury? That's a hard question because the injury, I mean, there's a lot of people that are a lot worse off than my boy, but 
um, the denial of it, I guess, is bigger in a way because I know the denial means there's no help coming. There's no, there's no, there's not going to be any research into mRNA vaccine injury as long as they don't accept that it exists. You know, because mm-hmm. if they accept that it exists, then then people can be put to work, and that's what I would love is for them to put money into putting people to work to find out what it's done to people's heart mm-hmm. tissue and what they're going to do about turning it around. You know, like. And- and that is did, the, if there's anything they can do, you know. And in this particular case, on top of the denial, you've had a good friend and your local MP who represents you in Parliament laugh. Yeah, that's you know, and that's the thing that really, and 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 I've lost a lot of good friends too. It's like people, it's like you say you say your kid's injured. Like if your kid, like my son was in a car accident about four years before, and I, and I actually put his weakness in giving in to the vaccine down to that because he'd mm-hmm. overcome great challenges. He'd learned to walk with a partially paralysed leg. He walks with a brace now permanently. He's lucky he didn't die in that car accident. And um, so, you know, I've seen people's empathy. When that happened, there was empathy, you know, when he had a car accident and he lost the use of his leg. But then when he gets vaccine injured, it's like people are like, looking all around the room they want to look everywhere except at you because it's like they just don't even want to accept that the person is vaccine injured our our minds our minds are funny things aren't they because we can we have to protect our psyche or something we have to protect ourselves because as you say it's hard to imagine collectively all these MPs and all these people going along with it, even against all the evidence now. But to allow a chink and to accept your boy was injured is to then accept that you were party, even as a citizen or as you know a human being, yeah. to a monstrous evil that propagandized people to take the jab and then mandated the jab so people would lose their job and their house. And then you can't admit that you were so wrong and that your position that you so ferociously believed has resulted in death and disease. Yeah, and if you... It's a hard thing for a good person to accept. Yeah, and the other thing is, if you look now, I mean, right through this, around the world, if they've all been in lockstep with each other, and now it's the same, the same as we saw, you know, Chris Hipkins stand up and say, oh, no one was ever forced. He did that a few weeks ago. If you look around the around the world, that's happening in every parliament now. I looked at America this morning where someone was denying, no, no one was ever forced. You know, so now they're trying mm. to back away from the fact that they were hanging people's jobs over their heads, your job or the jab, whichever you want. Oh, you know, there's and just no the choice s- there. It's like if someone's holding a gun to your head, it's like it's not yeah. your fault you got robbed. You know, it's like And the social pressure. Got, yeah. The social yeah. pressure. Like I, I didn't have a job I could lose. But the yeah. social pressure from friends and colleagues and neighbors and family that you were like an a, a baby killer if you would yeah. and and People were very rude and very certain it was very dark. Well, 
I have to say, um, do you know a funny thing? Okay. Just sitting here now in hindsight, looking back over it, I can't believe I feel this, but I actually feel sorry for Damien O'Connor because I know he's a good man. And it's possibly his goodness that just stops him from seeing it. And I, I, I look, I can't excuse or explain that laughter, but I would hate to be in his position. You know, I'd hate to be in David Seymour's position where I, or Chris Hipkins or Chris Luxon's, where I promoted this jab and I was clearly wrong to do so. And people have yeah. suffered terribly. I would hate to, I couldn't. I, I, you know, I mean, maybe it's too big. Maybe it's too big for them to face, and that's why they won't face it because it's just too big for them to face. Well, could you face doing that to someone? No, but I wouldn't be sucked in by it in the first place. I'd look at no. the and go, "Wait a minute, this is brand new. You've got to, you know, you've got to guarantee that all the safety things before we push this on a nation." That's what I would have done as a politician. Yeah, you know? and it wouldn't matter who was, you know, who who came along and said we're going to pay you this. We'll be like, piss off. You know, because they, they people who don't give in to lobbyists. And, um, when yeah. you look across the people that refused the jab, I can't detect any sort of characteristic, socioeconomic politics, there's Green voters, Maori Party voters, ACT Party voters, and poor people, rich people, educated people, uneducated people. It's just a hodgepodge of people, and funnily enough, I've been wondering if it's a sort of genetic condition that there are always in society a group of people who won't bow down to authority, and that maybe there's a sort of selection pressure that there's genes for conformity, and societies societies yeah. run because a lot of people just will conform automatically. But it's handy uh, in times of extremity to have a few who refuse because yeah. to me it was a no-brainer the whole thing um yeah. and it's i i didn't i mean it wasn't the data that made my mind up it was the fact i reacted to the heavy-handedness and yeah. the fact that the collective all went along with it it was beyond to me the data it was no we're all doing this and you say no i'm not doing that i, I mean yeah i'm not a crowd person either you know like i don't yeah i just it's a funny thing isn't it and i mean look i i'd like to think it was all the data but it was more deep inside my very being well i think it's instinct you know it's instinct, instinct. like you know that that's not right and so no. I'm like, like what I've learned now, I had my 60th birthday the other day. That was pretty Did you really? Yeah. So I was, um, and I got, had 3,000 people at Parliament singing me happy birthday before oh, I sunk to bed. Oh, we've got so to cover that, was, that protest. Uh, uh, let's, yeah. let's first of all cover off where we at with your wonderful petition. Yeah. So the petition, um, they came back to me. I've got until November the 5th to put in my reply to them. They're still at trying to make me remove allegations that the Medical Council are silencing doctors um, and removing the NZDSOS letter. So I'm about to go back on them 
with that. And of course, it will be the new government that will be the new petitions committee right. that will eventually hear it. So that's kind of good in a way. Um, and then, um, yeah, so that's the main thing. And I think the last thing I pointed out to them was the, was the three decisions of the three doctors who've been through the district court and won against the medical council. So I said, no, um, I'm not going to remove it because here's three decisions yes. from the Wellington District Court that have overturned the decision of the Medical Council. So therefore, um, I refuse to remove it. So I'm, go- I'm going to stay with that because... Good for you. That's a big part of it. A big part of it is that they are, silencing, they are silencing doctors. And so that's, that's a big part of it. So I'm not going to turn that down. What was interesting last night, I'll just stem back to that, is that Maureen Pugh came up to me after. She was the only person other than Sue that you know, oh, sorry, and Richard from the Ormiston from the Money Free Party, but who came up said, are you okay? You know, at the next meetings, we had two meetings yesterday, and she said, I just want to show you this text from Shane Retty. And it was a text from Shane Retty on her phone that was saying he was pushing for a broadening of the current Royal Commission oh, nice. of Inquiry. He feels that, 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 that the it didn't mention the vaccine efficacy not being in the terms of reference, but he said that it's impossible for this is a whitewash inquiry without the references being extended. Everything has right. to be looked at. So I think um, National is now pushing for the terms of reference, and I saw David Seymour say something about it. They're a bit careful because they're still careful about the vaccine, and I mean David just doesn't believe there's vaccine-injured people. He told me that when he presented his petition. He said, I don't, I'll present your petition because I believe in freedom of speech, because he was made to, right? None of them would present my petition, but somebody with money I know got on the phone. This is David sure. Seymour. Yeah. So, so no, David the, the, Se- somebody, the somebody with money went to two MPs, one in the National Party, and David Seymour and said, one of you has got to present this petition. So they had pressure put on them from a businessman, and then they presented the petition. But he told me in the same breath, that he didn't believe in the premise of my petition. He didn't believe that the vaccine was not safe and effective. So, um, yeah, so, you know, so he presented it. So, but anyway, I mean, that's my hashtag no vote for the five and the hive. Um, no, no vote for the five and the hive. So, David yeah. Seymour's position is that no one has been injured or killed by the vaccine. I think so, I, because he said he didn't agree with the premise of my, um, he didn't agree with my petition, and my petition's calling for the safety and efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, Unbelievable. He said, but, he said that thought that my petition was untrue, even though it, even though it's quite clear that there's no other medicine in history that's had that many reactions and that we've got 64,000 on the database. Well, and, and we've got... Rory Nair cor- did, um, you know, coroner's report. Coroner, um, pathologist saying... Um, Rory yeah. Nunn died because of the vaccine. I yeah. mean, yeah. how yeah. arrogant. So, oh. Anyway, that's that's them, and that's why I'm I'm working with outside parties. And So I what happens wish... on November the 5th with your petition? Um, so that's the next point back to the petition staff. I should be just about up to presenting it then. Great. Uh, now, so then they'll then it'll get presented to a uh, to the new petitions committee, which I hope somebody like Maureen Pugh is actually on. You know, well, isn't um, Maureen Pugh a breath of fresh air? And how disgusting was it when she spoke up about climate change that that Chris Luxon was so rude to her? 
telling her that she needs to go away and yeah, read a book. Well, that's that's the trouble, you see. That's and that's one of the things Sue's running here for West Coast Tasman, and that's one of the things about about um, that is, yeah, it's just she's got the thumb screws on her. She can't say yeah. anything. She's yeah. actually sort of like one of us in the wrong party, actually. She's yes. actually a good woman. She's a good she's woman. A good woman so she's I actually, believe. she's one of, the, in fact, of everybody inside that building. She's probably the best person. Yes. Well, when 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 Chris Luxon said that to her, he was saying that to a lot of us because I agreed with her one hundred percent. And he's like derogatorily telling me to go away and read a book too. Oh, anyway, the great movie which I haven't seen. Tell me all oh. about how that's going. Well, I won't, I don't, won't do any spoilers, but um, interesting, interesting, interesting. So that's, you know, I've been blacklisted pretty much by mainstream media until stuff, the, the film reviewers finally did a review, and there was a few good words in there that got grabbed and then his name. But, um, yeah, blacklisted, but went to number one on the grossing box office and is in number 10 still in the grossing box office uh, for New Zealand films. And... Um, and yeah, lots of people have been seeing it, and more theaters have been taking it since they've seen the box office thing go up on it. You know, so they realise if they take it, a lot of people are going to see it. Fantastic movie, just a real step up from production-wise, probably um, from some of the other movies. Because mm-hmm. you know, in New Zealand, we've actually had sort of five movies out, I think, now on on the wow. on the protest and on vaccine injury, and you know, Silent No More, Memorial Day, Silence that features Peter Williams, um, uh, We Came Here for Freedom 1 and 2, you know, and then we've got this one, which is just kind of like a step up. But really uh, interesting seeing the reaction of the audience at the premiere every time Jacinda came on the screen or whatever, it was like, boo, and every time the portal lose the guys were there from the protest or something else, would be like, yay, and then boo, then yay. Oh, I'd I, love I thought that. it was just, I just thought it was the premiere, but apparently it's just everywhere. Everywhere oh, people wow. react like that. The audience reacts right the way through the movie, every, everywhere it's How gone. wonderful. So I'd love very, to go. It, so it's very powerful. So look out for it um, wherever you can. And it was quite interesting because um, – Stuff were going to do a hit piece on it, and they got hold of the director, and they went back and forth in an email exchange where Stuff first of all said it was disinformation. We were going to make a print a movie of a story on your film as being disinformation, and then the director sort of went back and went, "Well, what is disinformation?" And then she came back and said, "Well, what's your movie about?" <laughs> so then, then we gave that email train to Chris Lynch Media, who wrote an article. <laughs> Um, saying how stuff stuff were going to do a hit piece on a movie they'd never seen, and then that movie, uh, that piece never came out. So we front footed them, mm. and basically they never they never printed. Um, and interestingly, the other day I was sitting there with Sue when we went to the Wellington protest, and I was walking up the street up the front with Brian and Sue, and um, then I saw the. You know, we had a big press pack right in front of us, you know, cameras facing back at us. And the first stuff article came out and I went, I said, what's wrong with them? This is actually really, like, quite good coverage. Like, they look a bit sick. And then I got down the bottom and it was the same reporter uh-huh. that had been front-footed. And I was like, oh, 
And I knew she went to the movie in Wellington. She actually went to the movie in Wellington and still never printed anything. Yeah, but there, there she was reporting positively on the protest in Wellington. And I thought well, maybe the movie had some impact on her or maybe she thought twice about slandering people before you've made the decision on something, you know, which mm. so now, I thought that was quite interesting. <laughs> tell me, guy. tell me about your candidacy and um, your party. Tell me all about your decision to stand. And I feel as though I've been going around the uh, citizen parties and I haven't got to Sue or Brian yet, and I want to. But tell me, yeah. you'll get an extra, extra push. Tell me all about you standing in the party. So, um, okay. So I'm with the Outdoors and Freedom Party. I'm a board member there. So, mm-hmm. um, And you've so been I there would... like before this election? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have been before this election. So okay. I've been there about three years or something, or two years as a board member, I think now. Um, so I decided to run, mm-hmm. and uh, rather than run, a, because I'm in the West Coast Tasman area and I knew Sue would be strong here, um, I ran in the mayoral campaign and got a few thousand votes in that. Right. And I thought, yeah, nah, I'm going to let Sue run the West Coast Tasman because I wanted her to run an electorate I felt that she had the best chance in, and this mm-hmm. is my electorate, so I could be of great help to her here. And so um, in the combination of parties, we put together an umbrella party. Sue tried. She tried so hard. She travelled this country. She spoke to every leader of every minor party. She was flying from one end to the other. Um, we had the Democratic Alliance who started another umbrella party, so if people were resistant to Brian they could go in that, that had a very nice constitution and very much what the freedom movement wanted as well, but nobody wanted to join together. And everybody tried right until Rip Day to make all those small political parties join together, and we were unsuccessful. So mm-hmm. we ended up with the only ones under an umbrella being Brian, ourselves, Yesar Teodora, and Vision, of course, which is Hannah's um, uh, party, Hannah Tamaki's party. And... Um, and I must say, I was the last person to fall. So I, because of Bailey, because my son being vaccine injured and because of the rumours around it being used as a vaccine car park, you know, the Destiny Church being used as a vaccine centre, I had to be reassured in paperwork and everything that there was no way was that used as a vaccine centre. That was very, very important to me. I and didn't also, know that. So, so, yeah, so there was rumours about. Isn't yeah, this terrible? It's terrible. It's terrible. And it never was. Because I'll tell you the one thing. First of all, Brian and Hannah Tamaki are four generations of unvaccinated family. Grandma, wow. granddad, children, grandchildren. Nobody's had it, right? Okay. So, like, they're non vaxxers. So, they, I saw a letter that went from destiny to the, uh, Medical Centre, which has many medical centres all around Auckland, but I think it's bases there at Destiny. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. And it was a letter that, that went and said, you're not to use the car park, even though they lease the car park, they lease these at Destiny Church, you're not to use it for a vaccine centre. So they were real clear that they didn't want it used for that. It was used as a testing centre because it's out by the airport and lots of people around there had to be tested just to go to work. So it was mm. used as a testing centre, not used as a vaccine. And then there was all this negative stuff about Brian, you know, and I have got to know them. Mm-hmm. And the people I've got to know, I am amazed with. 
I never knew about Nana. I did not know that he was mm. turning, that these big burly guys that you saw at the Destiny Church, I mean, to me, they were just blue. They looked like criminals, but they're not. They're following God. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> what happened? Mm. Does Brian Tamaki happen? So he's taken these people who were like jail, you know, jailbait, like terrible criminals, and he's turned their lives around. And I'd rather they follow Jesus than follow me up the street with a knife. So, um, you know what I mean? Like, I am all for what he's done, and he's turned all these lives around. Then I heard the stories about, you know, him taking money from the church and profiting himself and everything, and then I realised he has never taken a one red cent for the Man Up or Legacy programs that they run for men and women. It's all been done from church tithing, the whole lot. And then as those people become more stable in their lives, where they're becoming good fathers and good husbands and good contributing members of society, then they help the next layer of people come out of their criminal life and turn their lives around. And the work that they've done, they walk the walk. And for all the hate they take from everyone, he has zero hate for other people. Like, it's just, the guy just loves other people. I'm just, I'm blown away. I'm not a churchy person. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. And um, but I'm highly impressed by those two. Do you and think I? I am comfortable standing alongside them. Great. Do you think Brian yeah. would come on my show? I think Brian would love to talk to you, Rodney. Well, He's can a you? Good guy. Can you yep. uh, reach out to him? Yep. And tell him I'd love to have him on, and I'll also have Sue on. Because I think, I, I think there might be. I. I think there might be something about Sue and Brian okay. coming on together, and I don't know whether that's you on RCR or someone else, but I'll okay. definitely pass well, that on to Brian. I'd, he would I'd love, love to come back. Yeah. I'd love to have Brian on. You mentioned it to him, and if he's doing it with someone else on RCR, I will still do it. Okay. All right. Because right. I've got a funny story to tell him. Okay. Because my 94-year-old mother, wanted to ride one of on the back of one of his motorcycles to the protest oh. and, 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 and be a be a motorcycle girl because she was so angry she yeah. she she she's died since but she so hated Jacinda Ardern oh my god my mother and those and that lockdown stuff my mother he so hated it and, a Harley. I know <laughs> I said, I look, I'll try and contact him. And I thought it'd be as funny as a fight that my mother would, she would hop on the back of that motorbike. She so wanted to go to those protests because yeah. she saw what that lockdown was doing to the elderly firsthand. Oh, it's terrible. Terrible. I mean, so it was much disgusting. Suffering. Now, tell me. Yeah. Um, so you're standing. So are you standing as a list only person? Yes, I'm number. You... I'm I'm number six. I'm number oh, six wow. on the list. Yeah. Oh, so wow. if we get five percent, I'm in. Good. And my area of interest, the same as Winston Peters' recent um, broadcasting. <laughs> recent, yes, broadcasting. <laughs> I thought when he said that the other day, I thought, oh, yeah, okay. If I got in, you got in. I'll come and help you do the paperwork on that. Um, well, he'll need he'll need someone to do all the paperwork. I know Winston. Winston, <laughs> um, so, let's just yeah. say Winston's the opposite of Brian Tamaki because Brian Tamaki, I know, uh, walks the talk. Um, yeah. Mr. He Peters is talk. more talks the talk. talk, talk. Um, yeah. Well, good, yeah. 
good. Yeah. So but good for you. Broadcasting is my interest. And I mean, I've been, the interesting thing is I've been standing up against, I've been outspoken. I was practically blacklisted by New Zealand on air, which is why I took my career across to Australia 10 years ago, because mm. I couldn't get any funding here at all because I'd spoken out about the fact they were giving funding to, um, I was spoken out about the fact they were giving funding to multinational record companies. They were giving funding to Sony, Warner Brothers. EMI, you know, they were giving, our taxpayer money was going there, and yet if you didn't have one of those record companies, you had an independent record company, you couldn't get any money off them. So I was blacklisted, so I basically went, well, I can't get on here, I've got to go and do a career in Australia. So I didn't. I just stepped aside from that and went over to Australia and, and got quite a bit of success over there, and, you know, I still released my things here, but was on the radio over there and was doing stuff over there. Um, and so I, yeah, so I, so New Zealand on air, uh, is a body that I've long since complained about. And mm. then look who, look who distributed the public journalism fund. It was New Zealand on air that, that gave out the public journalism fund, um, whereby they had to, press had to basically comply with the COVID rules and comply with the, the, uh, climate narrative. To get the money. So, um, and now recently in Chris Lynch Media, he's uncovered um, through OIAs that they were actually buying time on the six o'clock news, not yes. 30 second adverts, but yes. actually whole blocks of the news where they were saying which climate experts would be yes. interviewed. So they've actually, there's only one name for that. When your government is buying sections of editorial and of, um, you know, the broadcasting time on the news, that's propaganda. That's propaganda, what that is. Pure and, uh, and so there's no other there's no other explanation. So now, the only I, way to stop that is the Broadcasting Act, is to yeah. change the Broadcasting Act, get into the Media Council, get into the Broadcasting Standards Authority and clean it out of its bureaucrats, put new people in, put rules in place about telling unbalanced stories, about not showing with both sides of the stories, but they're going to need laws to make them be the force of state again. And the other thing is I saw them through funding take funding away from small television stations, which broke Hamilton TV, broke CTV. Like, basically, they took the funding away. So those small stations couldn't get community television funding anymore. And so they killed them. They basically <laughs> killed community television in New Zealand. So I'd like to see funding go to people like RCR, the platform, you know, yeah. I'd like to see those those well, independent news agencies be allowed to be gaining some nice. funding to help, and and multinationals be actually, if you're a multinational company, you are not allowed government funding in our country. Bang, full stop. Okay. You're an overseas owned. Goodbye. Now tell me, this might be a bit late to be asking this, but love what you're saying. Uh Sue Gray and Brian Tamaki are the leaders, co-leaders, yeah. are they? Yeah. What's the name of the party? Freedoms NZ. Freedom NZ. Oh, phew. I felt freedoms, a bit silly. Freedoms. Freedoms, freedoms NZ. With an S. With, S. with an S on the end. Freedoms, freedoms NZ. NZ. So we can give yeah. our party vote to Freedoms NZ. NZ. And get yeah. Ali Cook into Parliament. Now tell me. And Sue Gray. And, and Sue Gray. Su and Donna Pukere Phillips. Great. Now, yeah. you had a wee protest up at Parliament. 
We did the other day on my birthday. Well, it was actually day after my birthday. I was on the convoy. We did a convoy of courage that went through from Cape Reinga all the way to um all the way to Wellington. And, and how did that uh, go? Oh, it's good. Like uh, first of all, the media. There was a picture of of Brian, uh, Hannah, Sue, and myself at the front, walking walking at the front of the um you know the procession, and it had hundreds of protesters written across the top of it. And I was like, oh, here we go. Lies, 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 lies. I reckon I'm pretty good at looking out into a crowd, being an event organiser. I can go, yeah, that's – and I, I reckon there was about 3,000 there. Wow. Yeah. And and there was – yes, there were a lot of people from the Destiny Church movement and Brian's movement, but there was also a lot of others. I saw a lot yeah. of others there as well that were at the protest, and we were walking around the grounds afterwards, like, looking at – we can never look at the grounds the same again. We like no. going, oh, there's where the there's where Linda's Health Forum tent was, and there was the massage tent, and the Hare Krishnas were feeding us over there, and sort of like you, you, it was really good to be back. Like everyone that went that was at the Wellington protest was really like, wow, it was good to be back. This you is know? our place. This yeah, is our place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good for you. And what was the protest protesting? Well, first of all, we were about the UN conference being held in New, Zeal- in New Zealand. So that with Ashley Bloomfield and everything. So they decided to move it. So we forced them to move it to an online conference instead of at Parliament because right. they because of because of us coming, us dangerous, you know. Ninety <laughs> percent of them Christian dangerous people, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so um, so um, that was and and also standing up against the sexualization of children in schools. Now, I'm quite, and this is where we don't, as Sue says, we agree on some things. We don't necessarily agree on everything, but we do agree with Brian on this. We do agree that we shouldn't be having that kind of sexualization of children inside schools. There's no place for it. And I think, I mean, my own son who's vaccine injured, you know, he's, he's looking at getting married and they're looking at having children and stuff. And they're like, we're going, wow, like, um, one of us is going to have to give up work, mum, to homeschool because there's no way we're putting our kids. We're not going to have our daughter in a toilet with little boys coming in. No. You know, it's like like we're not no. going to like we're not going to send our kids to school when they're being taught about transgenderism. You know, when they're when they're actually prepubescent. You know what I, I mean? Know. Like it's it, kids aren't even supposed to be thinking about sex at no. like eight or nine. It's not no, even Rob, supposed to cross they, their radar. It's not even supposed to cross their radar. And they're pulling this into schools. And, you know, you can go and do what you want as an adult. I've had gay friends. I mean, I was at lay girls in the 80s. You know what I mean? Like all this mm. sort of stuff about, like, come on, come on, you know? Like nobody cared about it. Like now it's like all divided, like gay and straight, like Māori and Pākehā, backs and unbacks. There's like division, 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 and um, yeah. So that so that was all. That was part of that, it. They're um, having us hate each other. Yes. When actual fact, it's them we should be hating. Correct. That's we exactly it. So, we don't hate Maori. We don't hate the vexed. We no, don't hate the unvexed. What we do no. hate are those tin pot dictators who would terrorize us at the drop well, of a it's, hat. It's kind of like I call it trigger words. It's kind of like anti-vax is a trigger word. Yes. Co-governance is a trigger word. 
climate change denial. The Tamakis. I won't even refer to Brian and Hannah as the Tamakis because I, I think it's like a set of trigger words where they use that to imprint what people think about things. And co-governance is a real interesting one because I've been involved in property development over the last 10 or 15 years. I, I worked as a PA for a big property developer here in, in my region. And I've been dealing with iwi monitors and Māori across every development. They're across every development in the country. Like, And they have been for years. To say that Māori have had no say mm. is completely wrong. Every mm. council have their local iwi. That, and if they go no to something, it's no. And it's been that way for, like, years. So it's kind of like I thought our Indigenous relations were brilliant until the United Nations stuck their big nose where it wasn't wanted. And they've stuck in with their unripped thing, and now they're kind of like pushing down on people, and people are pushing up against it. And really, um, it's so stupid, because like Māori, local Māori of that particular region have worked with their councils for decades mm. on, on every on every development. And in fact, there's been a few developments where I've not wanted them to happen, and it's been Māori that have actually stopped it happening by pointing out a few things if it's got, you know, significant area or whatever to Māori and then they can just actually put the brakes on something just like that. And so to say that we need them to have co-governance of everything, well, it actually sort of already exists because they've mm. got, uh, there's also the kaitiakia of the land, you know, the care of the land of the tangata whenua and like, I just sort of felt like the Three Waters, for example, um, Donna Pukere Phillips has a really good description of that. It's like disregarding everyone else and creating full great big iwis, yes. you know, like and, and pushing everybody else to the side. And I, and I did see that during the local body elections. Um, the Auckland Māori stood up against that and went, wait a minute, you're not going to come here and tell us mm. what to do with our water, you know. Um, so it's, it's kind of, yeah, I, I just, and then above everything else, I believe we're New Zealanders and we're one people. Yeah. Like, and and this yeah. whole thing of like Māori, you know, what's really aggravating people is like, oh, Māori are going to be higher up on the waiting list. You know, the colour of your skin should not determine where you are on a waiting list. That is up to the medical people to decide who mm. they prioritise for an operation based on their individual medical mm. thing. And I mean, this is where the government has come and sat between patients and doctors, the government's come and sat in the middle and gone. Doesn't matter what, doesn't matter what conditions you've got. We say it's good for you, whether your doctor does or not. And we're going to override your doctor. And if he doesn't agree with us, we're going to fire him like that. And that's okay. literally. And this is the same thing. It's them going. No, we're going to say that Marty are going to be higher on the, no, on, the on the on the waiting list because yeah. they're more disadvantaged. Well, there's there's Pakia people and Chinese people and Indian they're people that are disadvantaged in- that are disadvantaged as well. It's they're like, wanting they're wanting to rack us up and hate each other and we're not gonna yeah. buy we're not gonna buy into no, it. Tell me it. this. I'm talking to Ali Cook, who if I read out all the things that she's doing right now, it would take up a lot more of the interview. But chiefly at the moment, she's standing for the Freedoms New Zealand Party, along with Sue Gray and Bishop Brian Tamaki. And she's admiring what Destiny Church is doing, particularly with young men, as well we all should. 
And I suggest, Ali, that you go along and see how they do it and report to us. It'd be wonderful to hear about that and go to Destiny Church. And I'll be looking forward to talking to Brian about that because um, well, Man Up us, is the organisation that he's Man got. Up, the first yes. I knew of Man Up was um, during the cyclone up in the yes. Hawke's Bay. They did all he that work. all these truckloads of these guys just turned up with wheelbarrows, shovels, diggers, trucks, mm. and they just got into it. And I went, who's this? This is Man Up. Oh, this is Brian's outfit, Man Up. This is what he does with his tithing. You know, okay, enough for Brian. Yes. We're going to talk to Brian on his own account. Yeah. Now tell me, where can I find your, shall we say, interaction with Mr. Damien O'Connor? Oh, um, well, I've just put it up on the Outdoors Party page and I've put it up on my Twitter at Kiwi Alley. So Kiwi Alley, outdoor, outdoor New Zealand, great. Now, amongst all of this, Ali, you have <laughs> a new song, which I've just listened to. I do. Yeah, yeah, which is um, Freedom NZ, Freedom New Zealand. Um, and so it's really, aside from the party, yes, it's close to the name, but there's no S on it. It's just Freedom New Zealand. So it's asking for us to ask back our freedom, and it's very in the face with the lyrics. Yes. So, you know, um, you we're going to play it. 15 minute cities under climate crisis funds, you know, like that's because. All the cycleways that are being created everywhere that are driving everyone mad with all the bollards and that, it's all being done from a thing called SURF, which is the Climate Emergency Response Fund. You would think with a name like that, they'd be doing things like, I don't know, dredging out rivers, building rock seawalls, doing stop banks. <laughs> but oh no, 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 it's to get you out of your car by 2030. That's what yeah. it actually is for. And so they're, they're doing that. And so they're doing that in Motueka in my little town at the moment. So we're standing up. We push back. We've actually, we've actually pushed it back. They were going to take all the parks away up the main street. And the average normal person thinks, oh, they're putting in cycleways, but we don't want that outside our business because nobody will be able yeah. to park. But what they don't understand is it's coming from the Climate Emergency Response Fund through transport choices through Waka Katahi. And what it is, is to discourage people from using their car. It's not about cycleways. No. It's about discourage you from driving your Ellie car. Ellie Cook, you're truly a legend. Uh, we're going to close on your wonderful song. We thank, thank you, you for your efforts on all our behalfs. We love it <laughs> that you keep strong and happy and purposeful against this literally torrent uh, of tyrannical um overreach and yeah. we all of us here at rcr and all the listeners we wish bailey every success and yeah. we look forward to him getting married has he got a girl in mind he has he's engaged to his girl so yeah they're you know so that they're, they're, they're going to get married and you know i mean he's he's getting there it, it's as he says it comes to haunt him every so often it's like he's keeping it at bay with the medication when he gets the odd flare up in a few weeks. Well, I'm going to watch that video on Outdoor New Zealand Party. Yeah. Um, I suggest our I'll listeners do. And we'll make yeah. up our own mind about that. And we'll close on your wonderful song. Ali Cook, always a pleasure. We're going to have you back. Maybe we'll have you back as an MP. How would Fingers that be? Crossed. Minister crossed. of Broadcasting, Ali Cook, oh. having <laughs> just sacked the board of New Zealand on air. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and reaching out to support New Zealand artists and New Zealand New Zealand productions with New Zealand money. Oh, how does that sound? Yes, like a dream come true. It will be. 
Take care, Ali. All the best. You too, mate. Bye. This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m.